A lot of times uh, in life, as we know a lot about what the Bible says, but we sometimes can't really um, like figure out how it applies to us. And so, obviously, yeah, it's awesome that. Um, uh, sorry, my mind's kind of uh, rambling now, but. Um, yeah, I mean, he's like in some Jordans. That's one of my favorite things. Uh, we know a lot about it, and we're like, yeah, it's really important, obviously, and Christ had to come. You know, we want to keep Christ and Christmas, all of these different things, but uh, how it applies to us. And so if you're like me and you're reading the Bible, and it's like, this, this is really important stuff, but like, where does it apply to me? How do I find something practical and something like that? And, you know, every Christmas rolls around, and it seems like, maybe you're not like me, but it seems like you hear the same Christmas message over and over again. You know, Christ came, and, you know, he had to be born so that he could die, and all these different things, but it's like, okay... Where do I find something for me out of that story? And so that's kind of where I want to get to today is just some, some practical uh, lessons uh, as we go through this. And so uh, let's pray and we'll get, we'll get rocking and rolling. I just want to have a, a good time today in the Word and uh, really just uh, celebrate Christ uh, in Christmas because if it wasn't for Christ, there wouldn't be a point in all of it. So uh, let's pray. Father, I love you. I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for uh, just allowing us to uh, get the Word of God to even the youngest of the lambs and uh, just their uh, vague understanding uh, is a really good picture of our vague understanding of really what Your Word says at times. And so uh, I pray that uh, we would just have a good time this morning in Your Word. I pray that uh, as we look into uh, just uh, the miracle of the birth of Christ and, and how these things happened and came to be and uh, really what it means to our life, uh, we know we know the major implications, Lord, and uh, the fact that uh, a Savior had to come uh, to take the place of our sin. But even in that, Lord, just the details of the story and how even in the details you're trying to show us uh, how you work in our daily lives. And so I pray you just speak to us today. Uh, just put me out of the way. Allow us to have a good time in your word today. I pray this all uh, in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so uh, open up your Bibles to the book of Luke. That's where we're going to start. We're going to bounce back and forth between uh, the book of Luke and the book of Matthew. So uh, obviously you know the four Gospels. Um, I'm assuming you know uh, the four gospels are all you know basically the same story written by four different guys and they have a different account uh, of the life of Christ and only two of them uh, have anything to say about the birth of Christ right uh, the book of Matthew and the book of Luke and uh, the book of Luke is a little more um, descriptive in it uh, but when you put the two of them together you get the whole story right and the kids were like yeah there were there were shepherds and there were wise men and you know putting all this thing together and so we're going to kind of read through this today but I do uh, if you're like me, and I kind of said this uh, already a little bit, but when you read something, it's like, okay, how does this apply to me? I, I know Christ had to be born, but I mean, it, it didn't really a, a apply to my life until, you know, uh, he actually lived the sinless life and he died, right? And so how does, you know, the details of this story, you know, because I believe that every word in this book uh, can apply to you in, in some way, right? And so how do even the details of how uh, Mary ends up, you know, bam, she's pregnant, oh, how'd that happen, and just all the different things, how does that apply to me? And so I have just kind of six practical lessons. There probably were a lot more, but I just kind of picked six of them uh, for your life from the first Christmas, right? And we call it the Christmas. You know, honestly, um, if you study your Bible, you know that December probably wasn't the time that this all went down, but this is the time that we celebrated, and so there's not really any reason to get dogmatic on it or legalistic on it anyway. Uh, but, you know, as we as we look into this Christmas, so six practical lessons. So if you have your Bibles, uh, jump into Luke, and so we're going to read through some of this, and I'll kind of bounce back and forth. But let's just read the, the very first part of this, and 
if I can get there. So uh, Luke chapter 1, uh, it kind of spans a couple chapters here, but Luke chapter 1 and verse 26 is where it kind of starts. And so before this, uh, Mary, you know, obviously uh, the Virgin Mary, she had a cousin and her name was uh, Elizabeth, right? And uh, she basically had a similar thing happen to her, only it wasn't, you know, God's child, but it was, she was barren, she didn't think she was going to have a child, and so that kind of leads up to where we're at. And then in verse 26, and it says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, right, and uh, and so as I read this, I know you're going to be picturing, you know, the the different things you just saw in that video, it's kind of funny, but uh, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee uh, called Nazareth. And to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph uh, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So without, you know, giving you all the details, right? So uh, it says that they are, um, the, the, I'm sorry, uh, a city of Galilee, which is kind of like the area, that, that's like the area they're from, uh, in a, in a uh, the the town called Nazareth, and she's a spouse. She's engaged to a guy, but obviously they've been uh, they've been holy, and so they haven't. Um, hey, Jody's here. Uh, it's all good. What? No, it's all good. Uh, so basically, um, she's a spouse to a guy, but they haven't um, known each other. We'll just call it, you know, what the Bible calls it, and move on. And so the angel came unto her and said in verse 28, Hail thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed, thou, blessed art thou uh, among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. Now this angel comes rolling up and, she, and, and he says this, and she's just like, say, what? What are you getting at here? Uh, and the angel said unto her, verse 30, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, and shall uh, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord uh, God shall give uh, unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. Uh, and of of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, like this is the the biggest thing. Like that sounds really good, but uh, apparently you're missing something because here on earth, uh, angel Gabriel, something has to happen for me to be pregnant, and that hasn't happened yet. And that's basically what she's saying here. Uh, then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee, and uh, therefore also that holy thing uh, which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she uh, hath also conceived a son in her old <laughs> age and this is the sixth month with her uh, who was called barren for with god nothing shall be impossible and mary said behold the hand might, the the handmaid of the lord uh be it unto me according to thy word and the angel departed from her out of the blue she's just living her life right going about her life and the angel shows up and she's like hey uh mary i got some news for you you know you're uh you're pregnant, and she's like, "Well, that's interesting because that doesn't just happen, right?" And uh, well, and not only are you pregnant, but you're gonna, you know, be the mother of the Son of God, you know. And just out of the blue, one day, uh, this is gonna happen. And so, as I'm reading through this, obviously, you're like, "How does that apply to me?" That's really cool that the, the Christ is gonna be born, but I'm looking for like practical things out of our own life. Like, what does this mean for me? And so, the first practical lesson that you can take for your life is you have to understand God has bigger plans for your life than you do. Now, I know that's not very Christmas-esque, right? And you're like, well, that doesn't have nothing to do with it. I'm, I'm talking about us. There will be a time in your life, if it hasn't happened already, it will. And if it has happened already, it'll probably happen again, that you're going to find out that uh, Christ has bigger plans for you than you ever thought, 
right? Look back to some of the things that you did pre-salvation or some of the thoughts that you had uh, as soon as you got saved. Like, okay, that's cool. I've got Christ in my life now, but I'm not going to be like that guy. Like, I'm not that sold out. I'm not that crazy. Like, God has bigger plans for your life than you ever will. Do you understand that? Like, more than... It, it's really hard to explain. I remember thinking uh, when I got saved, it's really cool that this has happened in my life and, you know, I want to be sold out. But, like, if you would have told me at the time that, hey, you know, God's going to take you halfway around the world multiple times and you're going to do all this stuff, I'd have been like, you're out of your mind because uh, that's not me. But you have to understand that God has bigger plans for your life than you do. He rolls, the, the angel rolls up to Mary and he's like, hey, uh, this is going to happen. And she's like, yeah, probably not it, right? Nose goes, because I'm not, that's not me. You know, I'm not happening. And, and he's like, no, this is going to happen, and you need to roll with it. And here's some proof. Go talk to Elizabeth, your your cousin. She was barren, and, and she's going to have a child also. And, you know, that's that's a miracle in its own, but that's nothing like the miracle of, you know, her obviously just being being pregnant, right? And so that's kind of the first part of the story. We know that. So that's your first practical lesson. I got to keep moving. I don't. I don't want to drag this into multiple weeks. So, uh, flip over. Keep your finger here because we'll be back. But flip over to Matthew now. We're going to kind of just. I want to take these in kind of chronological chronological order as we go through them and kind of how it's going. And in Matthew chapter one, the same story's going on. Uh, in the beginning of Matthew chapter one, you get all this genealogy that nobody ever reads, right? And uh, you should. There's good stuff in there when you compare it with other stuff. But you get to verse 18, right? And it's like, oh, here's where the chapter starts. Uh, in verse 18. And it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, meaning it was happening. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, now see, it's one thing for the angel to show up and be like, Hey Mary, yeah, ta-da, you're pregnant. Uh, it's another thing for her to be like, Yeah, Joseph, uh, so this happened. It, you know, I, he's like, huh? Yeah, I, I want to believe you really bad, Mary, but that doesn't seem quite likely. And uh, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, I'm sorry, uh, back up. Uh, when, when uh, verse 18, when uh, as his mother, uh, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, meaning they had not slept together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And jo- uh, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put away, put her away privily. What does that mean? Well, just because I don't have time, uh, that basically means he wasn't uh, under Jewish law at that time. Uh, for her to be pregnant without uh, sleeping with her espoused husband, uh, she would have been stoned to death. He could have brought her uh, to the people, and they basically would have stoned her to death because uh, obviously she had slept with somebody that was not her espoused husband, and that was just the law at the time. And he uh, it says, being a just man, you know, he understands something's going on. Uh, and this is before he finds out from the Lord, right? This is just all on her word. Put her away, not not wanting to make her an example, put her away uh, privately, okay? And then it says, verse 20, But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her uh, is of the Holy Ghost. You know, at this point, he's probably like, whew, because I, it was, I wanted to believe her, but that seems like an odd, you know, odd way to, 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 to have things happen, right? And so that's kind of how this thing plays out. This is the part of the Christmas story nobody ever reads, right? They're all fast-forwarding, but this is kind of how the whole thing plays together. Uh, verse 21, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt uh, call his name Jesus, for he uh, shall save his people uh, from their sins. 
Now, uh, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord and the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which uh, being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, bring, being raised from sleep, did uh, as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and called his name Jesus. They were engaged... They were going to get married, and all this goes down. This is really good reason for him to be like, you know what? I don't know that we're going to get married quite yet. I want to see how all this plays out, right? Oops, I broke it. <laughs> I always fiddle stuff, right? <laughs> anyway, uh, like, hey, uh, let's just hold off on this whole marriage thing. But the angel of the Lord comes in, and he's like, hey, it's all good. You know, this is how uh, this thing is playing out. And so immediately, what's he do? It says that he goes ahead and marries her, but he still does not sleep with her until after all this is all played out right why because he's going to allow god to fulfill his word right and for her to be a virgin just like the prophet had always said it's god fulfilling his uh, prophecy through the whole thing right now i don't know about you and it's been a long time since i got married but like generally when you get married uh there's things that you're uh excited to do when you get married and so uh, he waits the entire time through this whole thing to allow god uh, to fulfill his his word through the whole thing. And so the second practical lesson, because you're reading this and you're like, okay, still, good story. I understand how God's doing all this. has nothing to do with me, right? Like it doesn't have anything to do with me yet. Okay, here's your second practical lesson for you uh, in your life is uh, you need to be willing to change for God instead of wanting God to change for you, right? Because that's what we do. Joseph could have been like, now hold up, this is not the plan that I had, Mary. You know, I was really excited about having a new wife, you know, and, you know, we were going to, you know, have this awesome life together and maybe have all these kids, and they still do. But you need to be willing to, when God says, hey, I've got a plan, for you to be like, all right, I guess I'm going to roll with God's plan. Instead of saying, but no, God, I had a plan, this is how we're going to do it. Because that's what we in life tend to do. Like, we're instead like, well, no, God, this was the plan. Like, I already had a plan. I remember times in my life rolling through this, like, God, uh, we have a plan. Now, uh, it's all set up. This is a godly thing to do. Like, I, we're going to do this, and this is what we're going to do. And God's like, no, this is not what we're going to do, son. You need to be willing to change for God instead of wanting God to change for you. So as you're reading through this, and you're like, okay, I understand this is just a... But you have to understand through these stories, through all these different things in the Word, God is trying to teach you something the whole time. Right? It's not just that, yeah, this is a good Christmas story. Yeah, Jesus is getting born. But God's like, hey, be like Joseph here. Like, I understand you've got big plans, young man. Uh, God's got bigger plans. You know, when are you going to be willing to be like, okay, I'm going to jump on board with you? When are you going to be willing to say, okay, I really wanted this to happen, but I'm going to do it God's way instead, instead of wanting your way to be, or God to change to you? Because that's what we do in American Christianity. We're like, yeah, that sounds really good and all, but, you know, this is the plan, God. If you want in on it, get in. And that's not how it works, not at all. And so that's your second kind of lesson. Flip back over to uh, Luke, flip over to chapter 2 now, and we'll get into you know the kind of part of uh, the story that everybody likes to hear, all your Christmas specials are going to have and whatnot, but still some practical stuff that you can take out of it. Uh, Luke chapter 2 in the first uh, seven verses here, it says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that, the whole, or that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when uh, Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all that went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. So I guess, uh, you know, practical lesson 2.5 could be, y'all got to pay taxes. It is what it is. It's even in the Bible, right? It is what it is. That's not really one of them, but, you know, that's what it says here. Uh, so this is kind of the what got them to leave where they were in Nazareth and head to Bethlehem, right? 
And uh, verse 4, it says, And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea, uh, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. So, you know, nine months have passed. She's about to pop, right? We've all seen uh, a lady who's super pregnant. Like, you don't even look at them wrong because, you know, they've, there's some sort of um, wrath that comes with a super pregnant woman at times. And so you just don't, you just don't say that. You don't look that way. Not always, but they're just like, you don't want to cross a woman who is great with child. And so uh, not only is she great with child, she's got to make this big old long journey on a, uh, a camel or a donkey or whatever it is on the golf cart, right? This thing's fast, right? That's what the little the video showed. But, uh, so they've got this big long journey, uh, and it says in verse six, and, and so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she shall be uh, delivered. Uh, the baby's coming. Verse seven, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end, right? Uh, there's no room is what the, the kid says, right? There's no room here. And so we see this, you know, obviously, uh, this is God's way of using circumstances in life. Uh, to fulfill his word, right? Because even if you read later in the Gospels, you'll, you'll read how when people are basically accusing Jesus of not really being Christ, there's no prophet that comes out of Nazareth, right? Well, it's cool because he was born in Bethlehem. They just happened to be there. And that's why he's, you know, Jesus of Nazareth, but he was born in Bethlehem. And they're trying to use the old the prophets to say, well, you can't be Christ because you weren't, you know, you're from Nazareth. You're not from Bethlehem. No, I was born in Bethlehem. God uses circumstances in life to put you right in the right spot uh, for you to accomplish his will. And so number three, this, the third practical lesson from life, you know, from this first Christmas is, you know, the amazing things happen in life when circumstances are ordinary. You know, the amazing things happen in life when life is just normal. You know, it's always fun to, you know, go on vacation. It's always fun to take pictures on the beach or, you know, to post all the awesome things in life. And it's like, yeah, we can all have this really great social media life, except for, I don't I don't even like social media, really, but we can all have this life that seems really perfect. But but the great things in life happen in the day to day, like the the really awesome things, the things that I think about when I'm just like really hanging out with my family or my wife or what. Like the memories that I have aren't the things that are plastered on the wall. It's weird that we do that. They aren't the the awesome pictures because this is what we did and this is where we went. It's just the things that happened in, in daily life. It's just the you know, I always tell uh, Paige, I have like one goal. Uh, and this is something I've, I've learned later in life. Like I have one goal uh, in my everyday life when it comes to my marriage. Like I just want to make you laugh. And not just ha-ha, but like I will always do something, say something. And just because it's just one thing. And it's like I always want there to just be that lightheartedness. You know, the, the extraordinary things in life happen when you're just doing the daily things. You know, it's always good to, to go out. It's always good to go and do the things, and you should do those things, but don't expect those to be the moments that are like, yeah, that was so life-changing, right? No, what's life-changing is uh, figuring out uh, how we're going to do this, this, and this all in the same day, all at the same time, and having a good time with it, right? The, and those are the things that you have to, honestly, especially in... Now, I know that I'm older than most of you, um, but those are the things you've got to learn. Uh, and that's something that I have matured in in life, I think, is you've got to learn to just love life where you're at in it. Like, just love what you're doing. And it, whether it's working, uh, 
you know, 10 out of 12 days, whether it's, you know, working, you know, 90 days straight or whatever, and whatever God's got you in in life, whether, whether you're doing the things that you don't really want to do, it's learning to just love life while you do it. Love the people, uh, use your uh, opportunities to minister to people while you do it. Really just live, live life like you're blessed because you are. And too often we don't ever think that, you know, we're, we're really blessed in life until we have this, you know, ta-da moment. Like, oh, we got to go on vacation finally. Well, that's awesome, right? Or too often in life we're like, you know, we've got this thing that we just really don't like. You know, a lot of times that's our job. I'm not like that. I love what I do. I really do love what I do. Sometimes it gets monotonous with, you know, one after another after another, but I I really do. But sometimes I remember a time in my life where, like, my job was not fun, right? And it was just the same thing over and over again. Too often, like, I'm not encouraging anybody to go quit their job, right? God has put you in the place that you're in for a reason until he tells you you're not in that place anymore, right? And look for his guidance on those things. But what I'm telling you is too often in life, we, we look for these escapes. Like, I just need a day off from life. Just check out from life. No, that's not what you need, actually. You need to learn to uh, embrace life and enjoy life with where God has you. Because until you learn to do that, he's not going to move you on to the next season. So, you know, too often people are looking for the next escape. They're looking for, you know, a a drug addict addict is looking for the next high, right? An an alcoholic is looking for the next time that they can't remember what happened. You know, know, somebody who's depressed is just looking to get out of where they're at. And until you learn to embrace where God has you and live life and enjoy life where you're at, and that's hard sometimes. Like, I remember times in my life where it's like, there's not a whole lot here to enjoy. And God's like, yeah, I'm here, right? Let's, Let's enjoy this. The amazing things in life happen when you're just doing the daily things, right? Just, you know, and I'm not saying, and I'm not trying to downplay um, the fun things that we do, right? I love going out and, like, having a night out with Paige. But sometimes the the best things are like, hey, so I'll call her at, like, 5 o'clock. And I'm like, hey, so I have an idea. Let's go get material tonight. Like, let's go to Menards and pick up a bunch of supplies. And, you know, maybe if you're lucky, I'll buy you dinner. And, like... (laughs) those are the times that like at first it was like well that's not fun at all but it's like if you don't learn to enjoy the time that you do have somehow like you just you're gonna live this like oh my gosh kind of life all the time and so you need to learn to and i'm not talking to anyone in particular but we as as a society need to learn like this is where god has me and i need to learn to you know, just like Paul said, in whatever state I'm in, therewith to be content, right? And not just content, but like excited about it. Like I'm excited to just do normal stuff. Like that's something that I've learned to grow into, like just to do the normal stuff. And so that's kind of, you know, your third practical lesson is the amazing things happen. You know, Jesus is born when there's no room in the inn, when we're just out paying taxes, when we're just doing the daily things. Like God could have made this so much more, uh, that's not the word I should use. So much more uh, awesome, right? So much more uh, enticing, you know, it, with a different story. But it's not. It's just when you're doing the daily things. God does the amazing things in life when you're just, you're just rolling through it. And you're just living a godly, holy life, just trying to glorify Him as you go. Got to keep moving. Uh, verse 8 in the same chapter says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. 
And lo, the angel of the Lord came about them, and glory of the Lord uh, shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. Like, I'd be scared too if all of a sudden the glory of God is shining me in the face. Like, it's pitch black, and all of a sudden, bam, here it is. It says, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring unto, uh, bring to you good tidings of great joy, uh, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling, swaddling clothes, lying in the manger. And suddenly there was with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, you know, they were singing. I was going to sing to you, but I'm not going to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> saying, uh, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from then and unto heaven. The shepherds said one to another, let us now go even to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass with the Lord hath made known unto us. And they uh, came with haste and found Mary with Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. So, like, the story goes on, like the next thing happens, the, the, the angel of the Lord basically shows up with God's glory, glorious light in the pitch black, tells the shepherds, hey, you should go check this thing out. You know, and we, we read that and, you know, we can take a lot of things from that and, you know, we, we think that's really cool and it's God's way of showing that, you know, something really awesome is happening. And this is kind of the part of the story that everybody likes to focus on when you get to Christmas. But, you know... I don't want to do all that. I don't want to talk about all those things because you're going to hear it sometime other before Christmas is over. You just will, right? And so, again, another just practical lesson for your life. Uh, when God shows up in your life, you need to make haste to follow him, right? When God shows up in your life, you need to not be like, well, I'm really busy right now. Well, I've got this going on. Well, don't you know that I've got HBI? Don't you know that I've got to do this? Don't you know I've got to go teach God? Like, I understand all the godly things that we try to make excuses about i get it right when god shows up in your life you need to make haste and follow now i'm not just talking about for salvation obviously we should do that obviously when the the lord shows up and he's just like hey uh this is where you're at you're at a crossroads in your life what are you going to do about it like obviously you need to make haste and i'm going to guess that most of us in here because you're here at nine o'clock on a saturday or sunday morning like that's that's the reason okay but what i'm saying is throughout your christian life when God shows up, and you know what I'm talking about, or at least some of you do, when God shows up and it's just like, hey, I don't know what you got going on, but you need to change your way. Hey, I don't know what you got going on, but this is what I want you to have going on. Or maybe you're doing everything right, and the Lord's still like, hey, it's time to change directions. When God shows up in your life, when God rolls up, you better make haste and follow. Because too often, God will show up, and you're, you're so busy with ministry that you don't want to follow. You're like, I'm too busy doing this to go do that. Well, wait a minute. Uh, God doesn't just show up and give you instruction without it being for a reason, right? And I don't know what it is in your life or, or whatnot that, that I'm talking about, but I know there's been times in my life that God has rolled up and I've been like, yeah, hang on a minute. I got, I'm really busy doing godly things. And you know, okay. Like, the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid. Like, don't make it come to a point where the glory of the Lord is shining so brightly in the dark that you're like, I better do something or uh, this light that I'm seeing is going to turn into lightning and that's not going to feel good. You understand what I mean? You need to, when God shows up in your life, you need to make haste and follow him. And there's a lot of things I want to say about that, but I'm running short on time. So obviously there's a ton of like really deep meaning in all of this. I'm just trying to take some practical stuff that, you know, as you're reading this, it's like, I, that's right. I do need to do that. That is true. Like, I need to I need to learn from that, right? Pick up in verse 17. 
Uh, and when they had seen it, meaning the angels, they went and they saw the baby, they made known abroad the saying which was told unto them concerning this child. So they get there and they're like, hey, I don't know what's going on here, but like the glory of God just sh- like laser beamed us from the sky and the dark and said, get over here. So that's why we're here. I'm not really sure what we're here for. But uh, so they, they get there. They tell everybody what's going on. Uh, they told them what was concerning the child and all that they heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen and was told unto them. The shepherds go. Now, here's something interesting also as, as you read through this. Like, these are shepherds. They live with the sheep all the time, right? And they, they don't leave the sheep because that's their job is to keep the sheep. God shows up and they drop everything. They drop their most prized possession, their one thing that they know to do, and they leave to go see what God is doing in their life. Sometimes you need to drop everything when God says it's time to go. Does that make sense? Number five, the, the fifth practical lesson as we get through this, you know, our job is to tell everybody what he's done. You know, we don't like to hear that because we're like, I don't like to evangelize. I don't like to have those weird conversations. Like from the very beginning, from the first story of Christ, what is your job? Go tell people what he's done. Oh my gosh, did you see what happened? Like even if you don't even know how to explain the gospel, it's not that hard to be like, hey, do you remember how I used to be? Yeah, I'm not like that anymore. And it's not because I just chose to not be. It was just like God changed me. And, you know, sometimes that that looks really different in some people's lives. Sometimes it's like, oh, my gosh, did you see what happened in this guy's life? He's not like that anymore at all. And sometimes that's much more subtle. But, you know, sometimes the people inside your home need to see the change more than the people outside your home. If you're picking up what I'm throwing down. Sometimes that's what needs to... When Paige got saved, it wasn't for anybody else in the rest of the world to see. It was for me to see because it was like, I don't know what just happened to this woman, but uh, she's not yelling anymore, so let's let's roll with this for a while. I mean, sometimes it's for the people inside your home to see. It wasn't quite that bad. I like to embellish sometimes, but uh, anyway, like... <laughs> Our job is to tell everybody what he's done from the very beginning, and guess what? All through the rest of the Gospels, the story never changes. You have one job. Go tell people about Christ and what He's done in your life and what He can do in their life. And it never stops. From the second He was born until He comes back, that is your job. Like, yes, live godly, live a holy life, be a good husband, be a good wife, be a good parent, all of those other things. Live a sanctified life. Your goal is to tell other people about what He has done all throughout time. That is what it is. And it will never change. From the very beginning, right? And then flip back over to Matthew. So the story from there, you know, they basically name Jesus, Jesus, and uh, in Luke anyway. And, you know, you get circumcised on the eighth day because that's what you do as a Jew and all those things. So <clears throat> then you got these wise men that jump into the picture. And like, what, where does this fit in, right? Because, you know, for a long time, I'm like, are the wise men? No, not when I was saved. But like, you hear these stories as a kid, like, are the wise men the same guys as the shepherds, you know? Or how does this whole thing play out? So no, the shepherds, they get like the laser beam from heaven saying, hey, go check this thing out while he's in the stable. The wise men, that's a different story. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. This is totally different. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. They don't go to see Jesus first. They go to Jerusalem, right? They go to Jerusalem for what? Saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? Well, nobody said anything about being born king of the Jews. For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod, Herod's the king, right? When he uh, uh, hears of these things, he's troubled and all Jerusalem with him. 
right? Because Jerusalem's, you know, like the, the major hub of Jewish uh, life. And all of a sudden, the king of the Jews is born. These guys are talking about the king of Jews, and they're like, what? A king? Herod's the king. What's going on here? Right? And so when, when king of the... Uh, it says, all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. They said unto him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is written by the prophet. Like, if he's born, he was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. That's what the prophet says. That's what the, the, the priests tell uh, Herod. Verse 6, and, in, uh, and now Bethlehem and the land of Judea uh, art not the least among the princes uh, of, of Judea, for out of thee shall come a governor, capital G, that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. Herod's really concerned about what's going on. He's like, okay, you guys just rolled into town saying something about uh, a star showed up and uh, you're here to worship the king of the Jews. Uh, Where did this star come from? And he's very interested. Why? Because he's uh, afraid of what this might do to his rule, right? And so when you think of what's going on culturally between like the Jewish, Jewish culture and uh, just the actual uh, culture of uh, the Gentile people, uh, he's very concerned about what's going on. I know you're like, this has nothing to do with the birth of Jesus. Well, it kind of does. Uh, and so he goes on and, they, uh, and he sent them to Bethlehem saying, uh, and said, "Go and search diligently for the young child, and when ye have found him, bring him wor- or bring me word again that I may come and worship him also." Yeah, you're probably not going to worship him. You're going to do something to this young child so much so that after they can't find him, he uh, sends out a decree that any child two years old and younger should be killed uh, throughout all of the land because he wants to make sure that Jesus gets killed. Uh, he's not interested at all. So he sends these guys on their way. These three wise men. Uh, uh, verse nine. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east, uh, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, notice they're in a house now, right? They're not in the manger anymore. When they had come into the house, uh, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented uh, unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own, own country another way. Herod sends them out and they're like, hey, go find this uh, king of the Jews and let me know where he's at. I want to worship him as well. Basically, he's not interested at all. Uh, he's uh, scared of what it's going to do to his rule. So he sends them on their way. They follow the star, brings them directly to Jesus, right? And so what does it say they do? They fall down and they worship him. The first thing, and they bring him gold, uh, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, the gifts, right? And so some people will say, that's why we do gifts on Christmas. And I mean, that's not really, if you really want to try to justify, we just give gifts because we like people, right? And I want to show, that, show you that you, know, you mean something to me. And like, that's why we give, give gifts at Christmas, okay? But the last practical lesson from your life, right, for you anyway, as, as we finish this thing up and we talk about Christmas, but we really haven't talked about Christmas at all because we're talking about just normal circumstances in life and what they can mean to us is the only gift that you can truly give is worship to the king. The only gift that you can truly give is worship. You can say, man, God, I'm going to do a lot for you. I'm going to do great things for God. I'm going to work in the ministry like three times a month. I'm going to work in four different ministries, right? I'm going to get up early and read my Bible. I'm going to, you know, be nicer to uh, my wife. I'm going to, you know, not be, make snarky comments to, you know, my husband, whatever, right? I'm going to do all these things because those are the right things to do. You, you're not doing any of that for Jesus, in case you were wondering, okay? The only thing that you can do for Christ is worship. You know, if, if you want to work in the ministry, that's great. 
right? But just so you know, and I don't mean this to discourage you from the ministry, but God doesn't need you. Like He desires to use you, I promise. He wants your... Because why? Because in doing that, you're worshiping Him. But don't ever think that, man, this won't go on without me. Because God will be the first one to show you that it will. Because it's all about Him. I promise. I, I don't know. Multiple churches have fallen because the guy finally decided, you know what, this is, this is all because of me. And it's not at all. Right? And so don't ever think that, man, I had to do this for Jesus. You didn't have to do nothing. You got to. Right? But the only thing that you can truly bring to Him on a day in, day out, for the rest of your life basis, is simply worship. That is the only thing we can do. And you might be like, well, that's not very fun. Well, guess what? It's not about being fun. But in case you were wondering, like, you know, for eternity, after, you know, we're like laser beamed up out of here, you know, beam me up, Scotty, right? Uh, the rapture happens and we're gone. It's, it's not to just like skip around on the gold treats of heaven. Uh, it's to worship God for eternity. That is what you were created to do. And so you might as well start now. We are there to worship, right? And so things will happen. We'll get to do things. But man, that's what it's going to be about is worshiping Christ for eternity. So start now. The only thing that you can truly give him, right? You can bring awesome gifts. You can buy your wife like the coolest thing ever. But at the end of the day, like it's just stuff. You know, you can buy your kids the coolest thing ever. It's just stuff. The, the only thing that you can truly do for Christ is to worship. Now, yes, minister. Yes, do all those things. But make sure that it's through like a worshipful you know, reason in your life. Does that make sense? All right, so that's all I got. Just kind of some practical stuff. You'll get the Christmas story uh, from somebody else. But you know, we need to make sure that no matter where we're at in this book... You can find something and be like, yeah, I, need, I can take that and I can use that. And so those are just some things I pulled out. Um, I'm sure there's a lot more. But uh, with that, let's pray uh, and we'll get out of here. Father God, I love you. I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for uh, just sending your son to be born uh, and live the life that we couldn't uh, through some crazy circumstances, God, um, so that he could come and, and take my sin and everybody else's with it. Um, and, and take it for us. And so, uh, Lord, only you could come up with a story crazy enough to make it happen uh, and, then, and then fulfill it. And so, Lord, I do pray that as we go about uh, the next week or so and we've got Christmas on the mind and family and gifts and, uh, you know, just all the things uh, that we wouldn't forget you, uh, that you are first and foremost why we do what we do and that we would just live uh, holy lives uh, to you. I pray that you would send us out as lights in a dark world, Lord, that you would get the honor and the glory from our lives and that... Uh, you would just really give us opportunities uh, to, wor- to worship you uh, the way that we ought to. So, Lord, I pray something today just really did hit somewhere uh, home in somebody's heart, Lord, and that they would just make adjustments and really want to live uh, a life for you. So I pray this all uh, in Christ's name. Amen. All right, guys, I'll see you next week, but not in here.